0: Happiness runs in a circular Thought is
1: like a little boat upon the
0: sea. Hello and Everybody welcome to Campfires a and Color Wars, podcast about happened, summer camps and stories we love to tell about them. Like the time when if you had a hairy back, you were invariably going to be asked to take your shirt off for a lunchtime skit. I'm Micah Hart, and for the next 45 minutes or so, we are going to press pause on the world around us and transport back to the days of our adolescence when the school year was just one long rest hour between days at camp. If you have a camp memory you'd like to have featured at the top of the show, you can always email your short stories to us at camp. Uh, sorry, I do I remember what the email address is? I think I do. Summercamppod at gmail.com. And if you're going to take the time to do that, why not give us a review, give us a rating on iTunes. So we can continue to reach as many former campers as we can. So you know, I have this game show. Uh, I think you've probably heard me talk about it at this point. Jewish Geography Zoom Racing, and uh, today's show is really a result uh, from the game show. Uh, Casey Custin was a chosen one uh, a couple months back, and I got to her to be the chosen one because she is the sister of a very good friend of mine, Carly Custin Bauer. Shout out to also Eric Bauer. I feel like I will get in trouble if I don't give him one as well. Um, but Casey uh, was the chosen one, and she is the, uh, I think, the chief of staff. She is a high-ranking member on the staff of uh, Congressman Ted Deutsch, um, who is the representative for Florida's 22nd district in the United States House of Representatives. And when she was on, she was found through his wife, Jill, uh, and so... We kind of got to talking um, from that. Turns out he is a huge camp supporter, went to Ramah Poconos, um, and I was like, oh, I would love to have him on to talk camp because, you know, as we sort of mentioned in the top of the show about uh, taking 45 minutes or so to press pause in the world around us, uh, I would imagine if you're a politician that that is a very difficult thing to ever get to do in a public uh, setting. Um, and obviously, that goes double, triple, whatever for the current state of the world we're in. But in general, like, how often do you get to not talk politics? Uh, and so I was really excited to have him on to just talk about camp. And, you know, we didn't avoid uh, the subject of uh, the world around us completely. Um, it's it's damn near impossible, I would say, to do so. Uh, but we really did get to dive back into what camp meant to him and talk about some of his formative experiences and tell funny stories. Uh, And I just, it was just a really nice conversation. Um, So I will invite you to put politics aside uh, and join us for a trip down memory lane. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation and hope you will. So let's get to it. Our conversation with Congressman Ted Deutsch. You obviously are a longtime camp person, uh, and um, I'm always fascinated to talk to people about their camp backgrounds. But you are the first uh, sitting politician that I've had, so I'm so curious to oh, hear your. That's shocking, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've got some calls in to some other places. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Barack went to camp or not. I'm gonna have to find that out. Mm, um, I'll ask you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so let I me mean, let's start with you know tell us about your camp background, where you went, for how long, and all that stuff.
1: Um, sure. So I grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, in Bethlehem. Uh, so I went for one summer to the JCC camp in in the Poconos, Camp Pinemere. Um, and it was my first year camping. It was I was a little kid. and and loved being away, and but then wound up going to Camp Ramah in the Poconos and was there for every year, every, did every every group he could, uh, every EDA he could, as we called him. Um, I, and then I went to Israel with Ramah, and then I came back, and I was a counselor, I was on sports staff, did a little bit of everything.
0: That's awesome. So first off, I spent one year in Bethlehem. I worked at- why. I worked at Lehigh for a year, uh, okay. right out of right out of grad school. I worked in the sports information department and did uh, play-by-play. I originally wanted to be a sportscaster, um, and so I went there. And it was, I mean, it was it was definitely an interesting experience for a uh, Mississippian um, to spend uh, a, you know a winter uh, in uh, in Pennsylvania. But I, I was actually coming from Syracuse, so I suppose it was actually a little bit better. Um, but, so,
1: so the biggest sport there, when I was growing up anyway, was wrestling. Did, did they let you call wrestling matches, wrestling meets?
0: I did. Uh, it's really funny too, because <laughs> I had never seen wrestling. I mean, we didn't have wrestling in Mississippi. Oh, Well, we had professional wrestling in Mississippi. Uh, I once uh, refed, uh the Million Dollar Man's son's soccer game. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'd never seen wrestling uh, until I got to Lehigh and very quickly had to like adapt to it because I was doing play-by-play for it. And I sort of was kind of brought along slowly. And then there was this freak or I say freak because it's, you know, it's wintertime. So it was unexpected snowstorm. Uh, and the person who was going to do play-by-play couldn't make it to the gymnasium. And so I had to do it. And like, you know, just being thrown completely into the fire, it probably wasn't the best called match that anyone's ever scene. Uh, I don't know that I had all the terminology down quite well, but uh, definitely, you know, got me up and running much faster than I probably would have otherwise, but it's... uh, Well, the
1: funny thing is, um, it sounds crazy that they have a play-by-play announcer, but people actually would listen to that. And every week, every week, the local PBS station, I know this is not why we're here, but every week, the local, our local PBS station would actually broadcast the, the week's meets, wrestling meet their meets, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and everyone watched them and everyone knew who was good at every weight class. Uh, I haven't thought about any of this in a really, <laughs> really long time. So thanks.
0: Honestly, we could dive into this for a while.
1: So I, there is a camp story here, not a wrestling story, but one summer at camp when I was, I might've been, I must've been 15, 16. One of my last summers at camp uh, our counselor was a gold gloves boxer, and he trained us.
0: A common like, occurrence in a Jewish summer camp.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> that's exactly right. And um, he's the toughest guy, one of the toughest guys I've ever met. wound up Wound up moving to Israel, and and uh, it made all ends. This super tough, great, great guy. But um, and if, and for people who listen to you, his, na- his name is Yossi Katz, and probably. You will have listeners who have run into him because he just seemingly is everywhere. Anyway, he he trained uh, two of us, my friend, my friend Steve, and 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 I trained us and then uh, prepared us to have this boxing match where we don't know anything. All he really taught us was how to stand and then how to throw a punch, um, which we did to the great. It was very entertaining to our friends, we nearly knocked each other out. <laughs> and um, it was not wrestling, but I guess I never put two and two together. It was my upbringing in Bethlehem and watching all that wrestling that got me ready to go put on the boxing gloves at Camp Ramon, Poconos.
0: So you did put on gloves at least. It was not uh, oh, fight club style bare, bare knuckle.
1: Yeah, it was pre MMA. That would have been, okay. yeah, that would have just <laughs> been wholly unacceptable.
0: <laughs> so you went for for many years to Rama Poconos, and yeah. you know what? Generally speaking, was your your remembrances? Obviously, it's it's you know been a big part of your life. But uh, as you look back on it, what really stands out to you?
1: Um, well, I I am um, I'm the youngest of five kids by a lot. So my it's eleven years between me and my next sibling. My oh sister wow, is eleven years older, and then and then it goes on up. My oldest brother is nineteen years older than I am they were all out of the house by the time I was six. So I was basically an only child and, um, and all of my best friends went to camp. So I, I, I just, I literally spent the entire year getting first starting in starting Labor Day weekend, which was always the saddest weekend of the year for me because it's this long weekend and, and camp's over, and maybe a little. When I got into high school, maybe I get to go. And I, I was in Bethlehem, and my friends from camp were all in Philly and Cherry Hill, and, um, and and that area. So when I got a little older, I would get to go visit. But as a little kid, I would just sit and 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 think about how sad it was that I had to wait a whole a whole year to go be with them again. Um, and so I just had the best memories of of ev- of of. Summer after summer, of everything was great. The the sports were great. The um, it, it, I mean, all the regular camp stuff. Sports were great. The the camp dating, which I'm sure you'll have questions about, right? That like camp oh, romance, my, like I all that out. all that stuff, right? All that I mean, that was that was great, and it was um and and softball and basketball and the meals, all the normal camp stuff. And then it was camper ma. Um, so we have classes and, and Hebrew classes and, and even that was like, in retrospect, like even that was great. Cause I was, I was with my friends the whole time. This, you do this show. I'm sure everyone has different things that they care about from camp, but it's, it's the people who make it. And they're still in, in, in so many cases, the best friends I have, and they only wish they were on this tonight. Uh, to embarrass me, they all told me, so they're looking forward to listening.
0: <laughs> did you feel like you had a you that was the you the rest of the year, and then a you at camp, or did you feel like you were kind of the same person?
1: Oh, no, I. Ap- that's a really good question. No, I absolutely had a, uh, I mean, my goal, as I got older, my goal, this got really heavy really fast, but my my goal was sort of to get that you, that me of camp. Uh, to be me all year long, and and like I said, it it got easier as I got a little older. And first, when when my um, when my parents let me take the Carl uh, R. Bieber tourways bus from Bethlehem down three hundred nine into Northeast Philly and Cheltenham, so I could see my friends. Um, that was starting. Then in high school, I got to drive down, and so it became easier. And ultimately, I like to think when I talk about camp sort of making me who I am today, it was. early experiences, but then it was having those relationships that I eventually did get to keep up all year long.
0: Yeah. You know, I I had similar experiences. My dad was a camp director and he would go recruit in the different cities around Mississippi. Well, not as much Mississippi. There weren't that many kids, but you go to New Orleans, we go to Memphis and I would tag along when he would go for the weekend for Shabbat. Um, And I would get to go visit with my friends for the weekend while he would do whatever he was doing. And there really was like this, sense of like I'm stepping out of one world and into another for this 48 hour period where I have this completely different relationship to my peers than I did at home and I totally relate and I think I've talked about it some uh, before like coming home from camp and almost like giving myself this pep talk of like I'm not going to be this person I'm going to be you know the person I want to be whatever and it's it's not easy uh it's very challenging to sort of not slip back into sort of the the habits and patterns that you're used to in, the, in your regular school life. Is there a big Jewish community in Bethlehem well, or?
1: No, no. And I was going to say as a Jewish kid uh, where there were just a handful of Jews in my school, um, I mean, less than one handful in my high school, my big public high school of 2,200 kids. Wow. No, I mean, it was totally com- and completely different and, and that was—I mean—that that was a, a huge part of it too. Like these, there, there's when you go to camp and you and you live with the, you live with people and and experience every minute of every day with them. Yeah, you you have different relationships, and they get and they're really close, and you share all kinds of things that um, that wouldn't be the case. You don't all of the all of the the things that happen. You know, you don't go on raids with your. Um, with your fifth grade or sixth grade class, right? You don't, um, the the you don't you don't clean toilets with your with your friends in in middle school. Um, not that that's the fun part of camp, but so uh, and you certainly uh, and you certainly. I went to I went to camp Ramah where we had uh, we, we prayed every morning and we had uh, and we had classes and learned Hebrew and and. Um, and Shabbat was this really special day, and so no that was um, that was not at all what I experienced at home and um, and that was another thing that that made camp so special and made it so hard i had, i mean there plenty lots of lots of good friends growing up but but it was there was a reason that my closest friends were my camp friends because we had that much more that much more in common, the shared experiences and and then in my case, the shared values and and faith and all the rest that you you get sometimes intentionally and lots of times just because of the environment at camp
0: yeah uh you you know you kind of alluded to uh raids and stuff like that what what was the what was it like at uh at poconos was it a fairly was it laissez faire was it fairly strict (laughs) somewhere in the middle
1: um it um it, it I would say it was
0: probably
1: it was I would say it was in the middle um, i I think we had like there were always limits like there were definitely there were definitely raids um, <laughs> give, they, me, give me
0: a garden variety like scenario for a raid <laughs>
1: um, well you you know you're a little you're a little kid and you're gonna go raid you so we had. We had, I, and I have no idea it's actually interesting i I only have experience from my camp and camp where my kids went so i I, I assume most camps have some general version of a boys' campus and a girls' campus
0: Yeah,
1: um, and so that seems reasonable so the so so it was uh you know there's there's all this planning that went into into a raid about about what was going to happen after pool after the the evening activity and and who was going to go back? And of course, then you're a counselor, and then you get older, and you realize everyone knew what everyone. There's no surprise. <laughs> but the trick was that you really thought it was going to be a huge surprise. Um, it probably should have occurred to me that <laughs> that that when um, when you're little and you have all this secret planning, and then you all like you run down by the lake um, with flashlights, but you have to turn the flashlights off so no one sees you, and then you get to the girl's bunk, it, pr- it probably should have, uh, I, pr- I probably should have known it wasn't a huge surprise when you get there and there's ice cream for, for everybody to eat together.
0: <laughs> How dare um, you interrupt our nightly ice cream time? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah ex- exactly right. Um, but it was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we, we didn't do it all the time. So, which makes, makes me remember probably, pro- probably not the, the most, uh, probably not the most liberal when it comes to to raids. And, and yeah, they're probably always planned. That's the funny thing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we, uh, I I tell the story often, but uh, Jacob's camp was about as uh, straight and narrow as a camp could get. There were, there were no raids. Uh, We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, So uh, I'm always curious and living vicariously through other people's hijinks. Um, you know, I was reading an article uh, about uh, some of the stuff that you've, you've done, in, uh, you know, in your work as a congressman, um, you know, and how camp has informed that. Uh, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the Capitol tour that you do uh, with, uh, with people from Ramad. It seems like this is something that you do every year or perhaps did every year when, you know, when things like that existed where we could get together and see other people, et cetera.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's exactly right. The idea of, um, of leading a, a group of 100 or so people through the capital sounds um, really distant. But hopefully, we'll get to do it again um, uh, and sooner rather than later. But yeah, it's great. We, have, um, we do it usually during, uh, during APAC policy conference. So, when there are a lot of people in town and a lot of Ramah. Alumni and and parents of Vermont kids, and so we got this idea. Uh, we're trying to figure out something special we could do, and and we opened it up, and it was it just proved to be really popular. And so, well, um, we we go through that. We do a nighttime tour, midnight tour. Um, usually, it literally ended close to midnight. Um, all through the Capitol. You raid the I other would,
0: congressmen's offices. They yeah, have ice cream. Would,
1: where there, there would always be ice cream. <laughs> we would usually sing, um, yeah, we would show up and sing, uh, sing songs and, and um, but so, no, so, you, so we'd go through the whole thing but then I would take them on the floor of the US House, something that most people don't get to do and, um, and tell stories about, they weren't camp stories they're not camp stories, but I tell people about the kinds of things that I get to do as a member of Congress, and how they were informed by and uh, and impacted or a result of the the time that I spent at camp. Whether it's directly in just in terms of uh, in terms of the, the things I do to strengthen the U.S. Israel relationship, and I went to a Zionist summer camp, and and proudly work on these issues and think it's really important. And, and the fact that I get to do that now as a member of Congress is crazy. And, and I, we, we did this, um, we, we did this, uh, game one summer camp, uh, called, um, escape from the Soviet union.
0: I, I was going to ask you about that. I'd love to hear yeah, about
1: this. which, which, um, says a lot about, <laughs> about my camp. Uh, cause <laughs> one, if you never went to summer camp at all, um, this is this is ridiculous. If you went to summer camp, most summer camps, and heard that this was a good time, it's also kind of crazy. But it was a great thing about about camp. They were trying to they are trying to teach us what it was like for the Jews of the Soviet Union who were trying to flee because they were persecuted. They couldn't practice. They were often um, sent to uh, to the Gulag. And so the day would start when, when you apply to get your visa to leave, and then you get or then you lose your job and you lose your apartment and the counselors uh, would play the part of KGB agents who would chase you all around, literally chase you around camp. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, um, but we, then we would talk about some of the refusenics, the people who tried to leave and were refused visas. And one of them was Natan Sharansky, who, um, who was one of the most famous refusenics. And he, he, he obviously is, now Israeli and, um, and has had multiple prominent positions. And he came to Congress uh, in one of my first years there and testified in front of a foreign, foreign affairs panel that I sit on and and the, here, and I had this whole, my staff had this whole speech that they prepared and, and I just looked at it and pushed it aside and told him this story. Like, you're not gonna believe this, but when I went to summer camp, They thought it would be a good idea for people like me, for us, for kids, uh, to play this game, to try to appreciate what you were going through. And, you know, they were right. And here it is years later. And I'm advocating for the the things that that he's here to talk to us about. And, like, we we went that summer wearing the bracelets with literally his name on it. And um, it's a... yeah, so th- there are lots of ways that it impacts. And so when I take the Ramah, the, the Ramah kids and, and, and parents and alumni through, I just try to explain to them that you go to summer camp, um, and it's true, it's not not obviously they're not all the same, but you go to summer camp, you have these experiences, and you have no idea how they might come back later to be really relevant for you. And um and here I am in this job and in washington and i get to think about like it's one thing to learn about tikkun olam and then there you are in on the house floor talking about why it's important for us to combat climate change literally to save the earth and you know it's a direct a direct link
0: yeah i'm, I'm fascinated by that uh all, all of that honestly um i have many questions and I'll who isn't
1: fascinated by escape from the soviet union
0: <laughs> well we did we did <laughs> programs like that too and it's it's so interesting because you know, this is—I I feel like I've got to find other things to talk about, but it just—I <laughs> seem to keep coming back to this of just this notion of how different things were when we were growing up uh, versus today. And I wonder if the camp could do a program like that today. Um, I'm assuming that you know the counselors are running this program, so these are probably 18, 19-year-olds, something like that, uh, who are who are sort of putting you through the paces. Yeah it seems like that's very heavy material and that they wouldn't necessarily entrust, you know, college freshmen and sophomores nowadays to, to handle something that, you know, and maybe it's not escape from the Uh, Soviet Union at this point, maybe it's, you know, Holocaust remembrance or any of that kind of stuff, but but we totally did that stuff all the time and it was very impactful. Um, But we also probably didn't have the proper sort of, understanding at whatever age we were as counselors or as campers or we, or they were doing it for kids who weren't old enough to really grasp it. Uh, it's just, it's so interesting, all that stuff. Well, I,
1: I, I am, um, I do think that, um, no, I, I, there are programs like that. And, um, if I look at some of the, some of the experiences that my kids had, uh, at, at Camp my Durham in Georgia, um, I mean, when, when, the, um, when the marriage equality decision came down from the Supreme Court, I think that was a big, like, they, they talked about it and celebrated it at a camp. And I, I have no doubt, I, mean, I, I, I am certain of this, that if, if there had, uh, had been a summer camp this summer, that there would have been some, some serious racial justice component, You Um, have talking about talking about George Floyd and talking about policing. And because I for all of the for all the time that um, that as hard as it is to to think about um, how something like that, um, how you deal with something like that with kids. I, I mean, camp is the place where where, number one, you can have heavy conversations because kids can process with their with their counselors and with each other in a way that you can't really elsewhere and in, in sort of regular day-to-day life when they're not at camp. Um, and um, and, the, and they're doing it without, I think this is still probably the case in most places, kids can't, you're not walking around all day long with your phone. Right. And I assume that, I, I don't know, but I assume that's still the case. I think that is and still it,
0: the case. In fact, I think and, it's even yeah. gone the other direction. I think they've really... Stressed making camp a tech-free place because it's so hard to get away from it in their regular lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look, I <laughs> I, I would actually look at it the other way. I, we're talking about the way what I did at camp impacts what I do now. I mean, if you think about what um, what what it would be like for a week in American politics, like think about actually. I haven't thought about it this way, but think about if you had those camp rules. And I know this is silly, but we're on a program talking about a podcast yeah, talking about summer camp. Let's go with it. So, let's we'll suspend so disbelief. If, if, like you, if you had a week where um, where you, it, it, tough issues came up and, and we actually had to just process them with one another instead of spending even one minute thinking about what the tweet should look like or the Facebook or Instagram post or how we were going to characterize it to try to to try to prove how ridiculous someone else's views are um, it would probably yield a really different kind of politics than what we have now.
0: Yeah it's funny Uh, at uh, at Jacob's in staff orientation we would have these fishbowl sessions. I don't know if that's a common thing in other places or if it was just something we did but uh, the idea is that you've got everybody sitting like in a circle and there's like five maybe six chairs in the middle And six different staff members are brought in to sit in those chairs and a situation is given, uh, you know, a a camper father and, you know, his parents get divorced or a a child, a a female goes through, you know, puberty gets her first period, like all these different things that could come up and the only people who can talk are the six people sitting in those chairs and you talk. And if you feel like you've kind of said your piece, you get up, you move to the outside of the circle. And then somebody else, if they want to say something, they get up and come in the middle and sit. And it's just that conversation going on, everyone else around them is watching it. And it's like, yeah, how, how much could we get done if that was a way to have debates about, you know, how to handle different situations? Um, oh, if only life were summer camp. Uh, how <laughs> do you find, I mean, you said, you know, it informs how you, you know, act in, uh, in, in Congress. I'm curious, like wh- how does that manifest itself? What are the ways that you're able to bring the summer camp experience to your, to your day-to-day, uh, experience on the Hill?
1: Well, you know, sometimes if, um, if one of my colleagues is falls asleep during a committee meeting, I'll spray some, um, some shaving cream on his nose, and then get him to to itch, to itch his nose. And, you do the train um, where so,
0: you put the uh, flashlight uh, next to him, and then somebody hits him with a pillow. And
1: yeah, or if it looks like he's going to be sleeping for a while, we'll bring out a little a, a, a little cup of warm water and dip his hand in, in there. You know, all, all of the all of the greatest hits. <laughs> um, no, look, I, I um. um I, I I think um, it, it's just it's about relationships, right? And I mean, I don't I, I don't I don't want to overstate it. Like it's not it's not as if I wake up in the morning and think how how can I make the United States House of Representatives be more like camp Ramah? That's in there or Jewish summer camp or summer. I, I don't I don't do that. Um, but it but it it's there are all the things that that you that you learn. But but the one thing that that you take away from camp is the amount of time that you spend, either um, it's the amount of time you spend focused on on how you interact with one another, right? And and when there's when something goes off the rails and you have a fight with someone, you're a counselor and there's a fight in the bunk or big argument. How do you deal with it? How do you how do you break that down? Um, if someone you know, if there's, it's camp, right? So you, if there's, if there's some really terrible gossip, um, some kid, the the person who's the subject of that um, winds up getting really hurt. Um, how do they feel? And what do you learn from that? And how do you, how do you move forward from it? And all of those sorts of things, none of which I've ever thought about in this context, by the way, but, <laughs> um, but I, but that's, it, it, it really, it's, it's just it's human interaction and and dealing with situations that aren't always great because Lord knows that's the case in in Congress these days. But but trying to figure out how to um, how to get through them because you're going to have to just like in camp the next day you're going to have to deal with the same people um, and then the day after that and the day after that for an entire summer. Well, um, uh, I, the end of this year will be the end of a two-year term and. Um, we have elections in November and, and hopefully I'll get reelected, but uh, like everyone who gets elected gets elected two years and you're going to be with the same people. So what do you do to, to make that. Okay. Make it work out, figure out ways to, to get along or argue with each other respectfully or I mean, all, all of, all of those sorts of things. I guess that's the way it really impacts it.
0: Yeah. If you had to, if you had to guess how, what's percentage of uh, Congress that went to summer camp?
1: <laughs> um, I um well, I I don't know what I don't know what the numbers are, but um, there there's I think we as, you're the expert here, but I assume that the majority of the majority of kids who go to summer camp have some they're either they come from Jewish households or have some connection to Judaism, right? Because there's all history. I understand how that's it definitely my
0: experience for sure.
1: Right. So. <laughs> So that's that's gonna it's gonna reduce the number dramatically right <laughs> right off the top, um, and and of those, it's not um, there's not a lot of um, there's not a, a lot of t- t- and maybe not yeah I mean summer camp right the camp is more touchy feely than the real world so um, on the one hand you don't really want that so much in Congress but just in terms of the the, the sentiment behind it um i don't think it's a huge number but yeah. I'll, I'll do some researching about it too
0: oh, okay i appreciate that all right well let's or you move do on some research yeah <laughs> that's right yeah well yeah, yeah i got <laughs> enough to do you're gonna make me do work uh well let's move on to our campfires and color wars questionnaire title still pending right. uh it's a chance just to ask you a few more questions about your camp experience and hear some more of your camp stories so question okay, one great. uh you you gave some foreshadowing to this earlier but uh Tell us about your most romantic camp moment. (laughs) Um, Well,
1: um, there, well, would it be, it would come across, it wouldn't come across well if I said, oh, come on, there's so many of them. (laughs)
0: Listen, Um, camp was, you know...
1: um, but, the, no, the few that there were, they, they, um, it was always, um, uh, it was the, the, the walk home after evening activity. Um, and and in, uh, and in really special cases, it was when the counselor, you know, when, when the counselor knew. Right. right. This actually comes to mind. It's the conversation with the counselor who says, all right, I know about um, you guys. So if it, we, I won't be looking for you too closely right at nine or nine thirty, or whatever the time is, and and so then you get this this really nice, quiet, sweet walk home, um, uh, holding hands, and uh, and it's just nice, and so I I, and so that sticks in my head, but no names.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh it, it was always important i think to have that kind of friendship with your counselor so where like you had enough trust that they would look the other way but that you didn't abuse exactly. it that exactly that you, you, took, exactly you right. took advantage of the opportunity but you didn't uh exacerbate it to the point where now you're putting them in like okay now i have to come get you and then that's gonna impact future yeah it's a you know you got you gotta you gotta play it correct
1: Right. And, and particularly, and let's be honest about it as um, they knew that too. And, and as teenagers, um, they were, they were not stupid for knowing that because they did it that way, there was a very fixed time limit on how long that walk home could actually be. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Number two, tell us about your best camp performance.
1: Well, it, it it's hard. It's hard for me to know whether, you're referring to the drama side of camp, where I played, um, where I I played one of the brothers and Joseph, um, and it was Camp Rama. So I had one. That's so on Hebrew, I ter- right? I have a terrible singing voice. I had one line in Hebrew. Um, it's the one. It's the one line I've ever had in anything I've ever done that I still remember. Which I'm not singing for you, but I can. Um, so or. The, we did all of our plays in Hebrew, except one summer we did *The Diary of Anne Frank* in English, not a musical. Let's be clear. Right. Um, and and I played Otto Frank, and that was very special. Or I I thought maybe you were referring to um, to my um, uh, my uh, my corner uh, jump shot uh, that was a staple against all of the other Jewish camps in our area.
0: I will accept either of those. Uh, you guys, your, is your rivalry with Berkshires or Palmer or night or some other camp?
1: Um, so we, there was always a, a trip. I know now it's a little more, it's fairly, it, it's more well-defined, but, um, you know, we went to Berkshires, uh, a couple of times. I think that was, that was that was where the rivalry was, but the real rivalry was with the camps nearby, um, I remember at Camp La vie at camp Morasha in particular um those basketball matches were uh were you know it, it, it's blood sport <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it's uh everybody's a winner until until you get on the court against another camp and then it's just no holds barred. but maybe that was when you had your uh your boxing training so <laughs> uh,
1: if only that had been an inter camp sport
0: yeah. <laughs> um Number three, tell us what was your most embarrassing camp moment?
1: Well, I mean, my most embarrassing camp moment, by far, um, didn't happen at camp. I don't know if it if it really counts, but um, but I uh, that was my first summer at Ramah, which after this I thought would be my last summer at Ramah. Um, on the on the bus ride home from camp, I had this. Um, I had this fishing hat that I wore literally every minute of every day when I was at camp and on the bus ride home um I don't remember if it was the lack of sleep or I just was a little nauseous but um but I just I just yacked into this
0: Fisher oh, no. his hat
1: and then sat on the bus holding, holding his hat, not really sure what to do. And all of my new friends and kids that I thought were going to become my best friends for life wanted nothing to do to do with me for the rest of the trip. And uh, fortunately I threw the hat away and things got better the next summer, but was, it was really,
0: was awful. there no staff on this bus? Like, um,
1: usually there was has a there, scent <laughs> there. Uh, no, no, there was. And he took a care of me and still, um, I mean, that was, a, that was a long time ago, but I still keep in touch with that counselor because as you know, even when you're, even the difference in age between the youngest kids and the oldest kids at the time seems like it's about 25 years. Oh yeah. It's, ne- it's never that great. So I still, he sends me emails. Steve sends me, he sent, he's very political. He sees me in hearings. He sends me emails to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong, like all these years later. Um, and occasionally we'll mention the fishing was
0: so you weren't necessarily. He threatens
1: to tell people, but now that's out there, so I ah, see. Away one that's these, right.
0: Own it yourself, and then no one can hurt you with it. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. So it wasn't like you vomited, and then you just sat there with it the rest of the trip. No, or for the rest more, of the trip. Happened. No. Okay. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: Nor did I. Nor did I think that to hide it, I should try to just put the hat back on my
0: head. <laughs> you listen. When you're a young kid, I mean, you, you know, you consider things. Exactly. Um, all right, number four, uh, top or bottom bunk? Oh, top bunk. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're, you're closer there. We all know all of the exciting things that you can do sort of in the rafters, near the rafters, rafter ball. I mean, yeah, you gotta be in the top bunk.
0: Nice, I was also top bunk, <laughs> top bunk all the way. Um, all right, number five, tell us about your favorite camp tradition.
1: Um, I, um, so on, on my staff, by the way, the guy in my office that uh, told me that you sent all these questions to him, which I should have looked up before, by the way. Um, so,
0: <laughs>
1: now we can um, edit it. <laughs> so no, 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 that's all right. So, um, um, on, on Friday afternoon, um, the, the, the there, there was that period Friday afternoon where um, where everything stopped, all the regular activities for the week stopped, and and then there was and then there was Nikkei, and then there was Shabbat, Nikkei, and you had to clean up and and all the rest. But then everybody would everybody would take showers and clean up and 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 get dressed for Friday night service, get dressed for Shabbat, and um, and would go and just sort of mingle. With each other and 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 say hello and wish each other Shabbat Shalom and it was the time when when the younger kids got to be with the older kids even more so than than at services or meals or anything else um, and um, and I just just a, th- that that short period where everybody came together and you took pictures and you were thinking about um, how great the the next day and a half was going to be because there was nothing going on because it was Shabbat, and um, and everybody was happy. And at the time, everybody wore white, which I, I don't know if that's still a thing. Shabbat white. We so did I that at was,
0: Jacobs too. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it um, and it just was it just was this really really nice feeling when, um, uh, yeah. And you, I met. I. It's funny. Uh, one of the funny things about this job now is I, I constantly meet people from all over the country that. That went to camp, or people that I went to camp with, that I only know and only really remember because they were the older sibling of one of my bunk mates, right? And and this would be when I would see them, like that Friday afternoon. And so I'd into them and say, "Oh, I'm so and so. I'm, I, you know, I'm David's sister." And then I, it sort of all comes back. It's just a, it was a really special time, and I, it was a good, good tradition
0: yeah it's like the one time in the week when people are actually clean
1: <laughs> <laughs> um cl- right clean and not rushing anything and um, um, and just sort of hanging out and yeah it was great
0: um uh, I had something I was going to ask you, and then I forgot it. Uh, If I remember it, I'll, I'll come back to it. Um, But uh, all right, well, let's move on to our final segment, roses and thorns, AKA coals and diamonds, AKA strawberries and lemons, AKA peaks and valleys, AKA pals and wows. This is just a chance to share kind of like we would do at the end of the night uh, back in our cabins. One, uh, sort of one good thing, one bad thing going on in your lives. Uh, This is not always the easiest thing to do these days because of the world we live in, but, uh, I'll offer it to you first. Uh, if you want to share one, uh, one good thing and one bad thing that, uh, that you have going on. I, I mean, the bad
1: thing is the, um, I'm, we're living through a global pandemic and I, there's just no, it, it's, it's in, in so many ways, it's just, uh, it's the worst. It's the worst thing that you could imagine. And, and I, I'm going to give you two sides of the same coin because it, it's, it's awful, and and I, in the job that I have, I talk to so many people who, ch- who struggle either because um, they're sick, or they lost a loved one, or they can't get, they're sick and can't get insurance to pay for, I, just all of the health issues, which are really obviously so tragic in so many cases, um, and then all the people who are struggling economically because the pandemic cost them their job and they don't know when they're going back. And they've never been on a unemployment before. They've never had to worry about providing for themselves or their family. So that's all, that's the, I mean, that is the thorn. It's awful. Um, but, but I, I, I've spent so much time since March, um, also talking to people who are doing just incredible things that we don't, we don't, we probably don't spend enough time thinking about. And some of them are, are directly related to this, right? The the healthcare workers, the uh, the, the people who, the, the doctors and nurses and, and techs and and uh, and assistants and the janitors and all the people who, especially at the beginning when we knew nothing, would go in and do their best. They didn't have enough PPE, they, but, but they just kept doing it and, because that was their job and they wanted to do their job and help save lives. Um, and we're celebrating them, which I think is really great. And and then the people who started making masks because there weren't enough. No one really knew, Gap wasn't, Gap wasn't making them yet, right? Like people started making masks. They started, the number of people who stepped up, including kids who would do these, these drives to raise some money so that they could buy, but they could buy food for hospital workers or firefighters or others. Um, there's There's the people who, who are helping to feed the hungry the people who are uh, looking out for for animals there's there's just been uh, there's just there's been a, a a lot of that and i I try to think about about that and and then personally um, I, you know and I know I'm not alone with this and 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 fortunately from a health and and economic standpoint we've been okay and so there's there's been an opportunity to spend a lot more time with our family and and in my case with our kids. My son came home from he was stud, he was studying abroad and came home in march and and we just took him back to college and he, he we didn 't think that he would ever live under our roof for five and a half straight months and it was um, it was great and so i I just continue to hope that when we get through this, which I hope is really soon, that, that we'll think a lot about, especially, especially in those early days, when we all realize that this is, this is affecting all of us, we're all in it together, we all need to be there for one another, and it's not, it's not political. And unfortunately, it sort of became political, um, but I, I prefer to think about all the good things that people are doing for, for one another.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a I mean, it's a great point, and and I'm I'm trying to do that as well. Uh, it's such a such a fascinating dichotomy between all the terrible things that are happening, and yet all of the wonderful things that people are doing to adapt and help and pitch in. Um, and I, yeah, it's it's constantly on my mind. Um, well, my thorn uh, is that uh, the summer is over and school is back, and so we are in the process of trying to figure out how to uh, how to make that work. I feel like we're doing okay so far, but, uh, you know, trying to keep uh, two, you know, young children kind of sitting in front of screens all day that are not cartoons or video games, which okay. that they'd be fine with. Um, you know, it's, it's going all right so far. Uh, but my, my heart really goes out to the teachers. We're in a virtual uh, school setting for at least the first nine weeks. And, uh, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I'm seeing enough empathy from the people around me uh, for the teachers and for all that they're trying to do and figure out because it's not like they've ever been in this situation before. Um, so that's just that's a little disheartening for me to see. I would like for everybody to have more empathy in general, um, but especially around school uh, and my rose is uh, we have been, my family, my wife and I and our kids have been probably about as conservative uh, in response to the, the coronavirus uh, as, as you can be. And we are actually going to visit my parents next week for the first time since March. We're gonna see them for the first time since March. Um, Where are they? In uh, Mississippi. Um, so. And so, you know, we've been trying to play it pretty close to the vest for the last couple of weeks. We're gonna get tested before we go just to you know make certain. Um, but uh, I know they have certainly missed seeing their grandkids and I'm very excited to see them. So uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, with that, yeah, uh, that is our show. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, any other podcast listening tool you can find. I still need to get on Spotify. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at summer camp pod and on Instagram at campfires and color wars. Of course you can tune in every Saturday night and every Wednesday night at nine Eastern and catch the latest episodes of Jewish geography, zoom racing. Ted, your wife made an appearance uh, in a previous show, um, with, uh, she's
1: a star. She, uh, she, if it has to do with, with Jews, summer camp anything she's she's the one you want
0: listen though we might have to have her back <laughs> on as, uh, as a contestant or something she was very impressive but uh you're the, one of the reasons that i that you and i are having this conversation right now is that uh your uh staffer casey cussin shout out uh, casey um uh was the chosen one uh in that show and so uh, your wife was how we got to her very quickly um which was very amusing <laughs> um And, uh, yeah, if, uh, Ted, if people want to find you on the internet, uh, I imagine it can't be that hard, but, uh, where can we send people?
1: Uh, it is, uh, it is not that hard at all. Uh, they can, they can find me on, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at, at Rep Ted Deutsch, at Ted Deutsch, have your, have your pick, um, and, uh, representative Ted Deutsch on, uh, on Facebook. And since this is not an official event, um, You can also go to Ted for Congress and see what's going on there. So many ways, particularly in an election year. Uh, But Micah, we didn't talk at all about either campfires or color wars, so we'll have to do it again.
0: Absolutely. Um, So uh, I always like to close with a thing that my dad would always say at camp, that time is precious and you have to make the most of it. So I always like to end by saying, don't waste a minute, Ted, and you can say back to me. Don't waste a second, Micah. Happiness runs in a circular motion. Thought is like a little boat upon the sea. Everybody is a part of everything anyway. You can have everything if you let yourself be. Happiness runs, happiness runs. Happiness runs, happiness runs. Happiness runs, happiness runs.